Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking. Today we're talking basketball. Sunbelt Conference basketball with Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Good afternoon, Danny. How are you doing? Buddy, I'm doing all right. Hope you're doing well, too. Life's good. Can't complain. Uh, let's jump right in. Uh, last week, uh, some some games that I thought were interesting. Uh Georgia Southern, let's start right there. Georgia Southern goes up to uh, host James Madison, I'm sorry. Uh, Georgia Southern's former coach comes into town. And I saw a couple signs where, like, you stole our coach, but you can't steal a victory or something like that. <laughs> that that's the one thing about fans. They will always be fans. Yes, you got to love it. But it looked like uh, I got to watch most of it, a good basketball game. Georgia Southern comes out on top. What was key there? Uh, I think there have been games where Georgia Southern's played better this year, but I don't know if there were very many instances where the Eagles have put that much together in terms of a full game. I thought they played about as close to 40 minutes as they could, got that 14-point lead in the first half. James Madison was missing a lot of close shots, and some of those were open, but some of that was to Georgia Southern's credit. They made sure that they were one and done, and – even though JMU rallied where the Eagles were struggling during the losing streak is they couldn't maintain their poise and work their way back into it because they blew three double digit leads during that four game losing streak. But what happened against JMU, as soon as they took the lead, Georgia Southern took the lead right back and then they never gave it up again. And that's against the team that had won four straight really good on offense and defense. And I think that they're going to be a force once the tournament gets here, but that that's one that Georgia Southern had to have if they want to keep their hopes at one of those top four seeds alive. JMU, what 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 are they uh, best at? I guess I'm guess I'm kind of leading up the Cajuns head up there Saturday, and we'll, which we'll talk a little bit about it. But what did they do best in your game, JMU? As far as was it inside game? Was it bench scoring? Was it three point scoring? What's really made the difference for them lately is their on-ball defense. They're going to play fast regardless, and they try to speed you up on defense so they can get the ball back as quickly as possible. They don't want to have to worry about defending for too long, so they'll put some pressure on you early. They'll press a little bit just depending on where the game is, but they want to get the ball from you as quickly as possible, and then they want to score as quickly as possible. They're more than 80 points per game. They were the number one scoring team in the country for a spell. They'll take a lot of threes. They don't make a ton of threes, but they do take a lot. They've got one of the league's best shooters in Noah Friedel. Votto Morse is their best player, even though he's been battling illness and a shoulder injury for what seems like about a month now. But what makes them so good is their depth. They, they can play as many as 12 guys if they wanted to. That's by far one of the deepest teams in the league. So when it's all clicking, it makes them a really tough matchup, especially when you think about tournament play when – you're playing back-to-back -back days, and even this year when you got a day in between, if you're one of those bottom seeds, you still have to get everything revved up to play the very next day. Their biggest asset is their depth, but their offense is pretty dynamic if they can get all their parts going together. Good deal. Uh, South Alabama and Troy, I know South Alabama is playing a lot better, or they're winning games uh, more so. I'm not going to say that they're I, – I think they were playing better. They just weren't winning games. Uh, early in conference play. But uh, I get a little bit of a surprise, I think. Uh, they were playing in Troy, but a little bit of a surprise there with Troy with taking down South Alabama. 
Yeah, I was surprised by that, too, because they led that game late. And I think they had two backcourt turnovers in the final two minutes. Troy came back to take the lead. They made their free throws. Jaguars, for whatever reason, looked a little bit out of sorts on offense during those final couple of minutes. But, yeah, they, they played a lot better. I think they started off 2-7 and seven in conference play. But despite some inconsistencies from Kevin Samuel, when the 7-1 dude from TCU decides to play, they're a really tough team to score on. Isaiah Moore is a really good Division II guard. He's been a lot better than I think a lot of people anticipated, but he has been just terrific over these last few weeks. But when you got those two going at the same time, the true rim protector and then a point guard that can back you down just as well as some of the forwards do in this league, and then when they defend the way that they do, if they get it all going, they, they're going to be tough, even though they're not a terribly deep team, but they've been playing much better over these last few weeks as opposed to the way they started off. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they're going to be a very scary tournament uh, time uh, team when come tournament time. But the key will be for them, in my opinion, will be where they get seated if they're able to uh, to get out of a, a game or so uh, before they have to play. App State at ULM. This was, I, I mean, I know ULM wants a low scoring game, but still at the same time, App State beat ULM at home. Uh, at their at at you at in Monroe, that's a little bit of a shock because ULM had been playing much better, and I think they're. I'm I'm just wondering if they're. I, I don't want to say their legs are gone because they're going to play the Cajuns on Thursday night, and then they're always going to be up for that game. So, is any surprise there for you on App State beating ULM on the road? Maybe a little bit because App is remarkably better at home than they are on the road, very similar to Coastal Carolina and probably good for Georgia Southern, at least depending on how it goes, because they're both going to be here in a couple of weeks to end the regular season. So we hope it keeps going that way. But typically they've been much better up in Boone than they have been away from Boone. But they did get a victory at Old Dominion a couple of weeks ago when Terrence Harcum went crazy making eight threes in that game. And I think they caught Old Dominion off guard because their scouting report was that that was not a guy that can hurt you from deep. Well, he's had the ability but I think they're running their offense more through him now because Tyree Boykin had been out for about a month with a foot injury. He's worked his way back, but he's coming off the bench now. App is one of those teams, because of how they defend, they're going to be in every game that they play. They cut down on those dribbling and passing gaps. They force you to be a jump-shooting team. And one thing that Dustin Kearns does really well, the head coach, is that offensively he tailors his approach to the kind of team that he has. Sometimes they're more up-tempo. Sometimes they shoot a lot of threes. Other times, like this year, they'll make sure that their best player has the ball in his hands. And Donovan Gregory is their best player. He is their 6'5", 3 man, but because of his versatility, he can guard anybody on the floor. He also, in essence, is their point forward, which means they might have someone else bring it up. But once he touches the basketball, he is making sure the offense goes where it needs to go. Sometimes it's his back down game, his jump shot or he's setting up everybody else. And I don't know that there's too many more important players to their team in the league than Donovan Gregory is to App State. Uh, Old Dominion, Old Dominion uh, visiting Georgia State uh, the week before. Uh, you know, you guys had went up there, and, and I thought Georgia State looked a little better. but And it was a close game, 63-60, with Old Dominion winning the game. But uh, – are we are we starting to get a little separation there where Georgia State might be not Georgia State-ish? <laughs> That's a 
Oh, you can look at it one way that they have had a coaching change, but they lost everything off that team last year. All five of their starters, I think it was at least 95% of their scoring. I don't know what the exact number is, but eventually you had to think that all that production and all that success was going to take a little bit of a hit. It's their third coaching change in less than five years. I think Jonas Hayes is going to be really good for them because he grew up just down the block from where the convocation okay. center is now, but it's going to take a minute to get what he wants in there. And look, they've, they've shown potentially beat Georgia Southern a couple of weeks ago when the Eagles were in the middle of that four game road trip, he's had to go transfer portal, which everybody's going to, to a degree, but I think it's more on old dominion being a pretty solid road team. And typically you would think they would get much of their work done at home, but they've been pretty solid on the road this year. And they've been down two of their top players in multiple times. Ben Stanley's missed a ton of time because of that wrist injury. Tyreek Scott Grayson was out for a time because of illness, but Makai Long has quietly become one of this league's best players with four consecutive double-doubles at one point. That's going to be a really tough out in tournament time, and it seems like they've kept themselves in contention for a top four. They're not going to have to worry about that first day on Tuesday. Old Dominion is a team that's going to get overlooked, but if you do that too much, they're a team that's absolutely capable of burning you once you get to tournament play. I agree. Uh, finally, uh, the Cajuns went to South uh, Southern Miss and uh, got a little bit of it handed to them there. I mean, a large crowd there. I don't think the – I think the crowd had a lot to do with it. Uh, but at the same time, the Cajuns go, uh, what was it, two for 17 or – something like that in there and uh, three point shots, two for 15. And you're not going to win many games doing that. Uh, especially if that's what your game relies on a lot. Did you get Look, an I'll opportunity? Parallel, I'll, I'll parallel what happened there to a lot of what happened in that midweek game for football this year. Louisiana goes to Southern Miss. Southern Miss acted like that was a game they had to win. They put everything into that game and they picked up a victory. That game for first in the Sun Belt, it looked like they put every little bit of what they had, almost 8,100 people there, the most that has seen a Sun Belt game this year, I think their biggest crowd in almost 15 years. And just being able to watch it on ESPN Plus, you, you could feel the atmosphere from, from a phone screen. I don't know what it was like in that arena, even though the seats are kind of far back from the sidelines. We're going to go there on Saturday for the final road game. It looked like an awesome place to watch a game. And there's a reason why Southern Miss is 15-0 at home this season. It's yeah. – or 14 are going into the weekend. No, I agree. I think the uh, – I, I don't think – I shouldn't <clears throat> say I don't think. Uh, I think they're uh, – the Cajuns had their opportunity and just didn't convert. But that, again, I, I think people forget that – the other team has a uh, scholarship sc players on their team too, and have coaches that are pretty good on their on their sideline. So, um, moving on to Saturday, let, let's continue with the Cajuns because I really thought that was a game, uh, the game against Troy on Saturday. I thought they they lost it. I lost. Coach Robe had that saying: "Don't let a team beat you twice." Meaning, don't 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 focus on the game before. And I think they got beat at Troy from a hangover at Southern Miss and just were, uh, I think it took a lot out of them. Well, they led in the second half, but it was just the final few minutes of the game where it just 
the lead kept getting bigger. And it's one of those quicksand deals where the harder you go, the worse it becomes. And yeah, it looks a little bit worse because going into the weekend tied for first, and now you're two games out with only four left. So it, it does look a little bit daunting, but for the Cajuns, now tied for second with Marshall, a team that Georgia Southern is going to play Thursday night on the road. So it's a matter of where you're going to be, not just Thursday, but what kind of position are you going to put yourself in going into conference tournament play? It seems like the Cajuns are fine in terms of getting the bye, but when you've got a cluster of teams that are just two games or so out of that number four seed, if you slip a little bit, maybe you find yourself on the outside looking in when you were in the pole position for a good portion of the year. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, their margin of error or margin of error for every team actually is going to be is going to be slim. Uh, I lost my place here. Okay, Saturday ULM goes into Southern Miss has the lead at halftime, if I remember correctly, and then. I think up until almost the 10 minute, even past the 10 minute mark, it was still uh, kind of going back and forth, but Southern Miss was able to pull away from it. Is that, a, is that, uh, I think Southern Miss had a little bit of a hangover as well, putting a lot into Thursday night's game, but at the same time with ULM only playing six, sometimes seven players, I think that showed on that, on that, 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 that game for them, they just kind of ran out of gas at the end. Well, I also think that ULM is victim of always being the underdog, regardless of how good they are. They are always viewed as an underdog and Southern Miss trailed at halftime, both of those games last week, but that just shows you how much they feed off that home crowd. They're amongst the league leaders in attendance. I've never been to Reed Greed Coliseum, but I'm really looking forward to it. That's an early tip on Saturday as Georgia Southern is going to spend almost all day Friday going from Huntington to get down to Hattiesburg. So we'll have to see how they are able to deal with the travel and take on what is going to be the first place team in the league on Saturday, regardless of what Thursday's activity is. And you, you want to say that Southern Miss is a lot different on the road than they are at home. But for a team that's on the verge of setting an NCAA record for the biggest turnaround in history, they won seven games last year. I mean, people thought that, well, what are you going to do? Seven wins last year, preseason number 13 team in the league. Well, they were able to benefit from the transfer portal pr pretty heavily. They got one of the Mercer assistant coaches. He brings in Felipe Hase and Nefta Alvarez, who, even though he was hurt for a while, he's back in and back in their rotation, not starting yet. But for Hase, 6'9", 250 with a step out three, it, it's almost an impossible matchup. And I think that they rebound really well. But what, what separates them from everybody else in the league is their transition offense. I think when they grab the ball off the rim or off the glass and they run, I don't, I don't know too many teams that are going to be able to slow them down. I think that they are that good. I think they're the best transition offense in the league, better than James Madison. And I, I uh, Mike Aber and I, my, shoot, yes, Mike Aber and I were talking about that earlier. I think it really hurt the Cajuns uh, defense uh, defensively by not, not allowing them to get in their defense and uh, in, in Southern Miss being able to run on them. So uh, very good. Uh App State, again, wins going at ULM, and they get kind of blown out, not kind of, a 17-point game. They did get blown out at South Alabama. Is that a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing? I mean, because I don't think the distance is too far. Their travel shouldn't have been that bad. No, what happened there is that South Alabama jumped them and they just never let off. 
that was a double-digit game very, very quickly, and I don't know that App ever seriously threatened. Kevin Samuel had a really good game. I think they alley-ooped to him twice in the early going, and App State never figured out how to stop him. Uh, Old Dominion at Texas State uh, uh, in St. Marcos, and we talk, you talked earlier about Old Dominion being a good road, road team, but ended up being a two-point game there. Any surprise there for you? I mean, Texas State has its moments, but – well, Texas, Texas State was down eight with about two minutes left, came back to tie that game. And then Emo Essien, who I think we've talked about before, he is the one that had the medical episode at Hander Fieldhouse earlier this year. He's the one that had to miss a couple of weeks to go, had to undergo some medical testing. He hit the buzzer beater in that game. They had to go the full length of the floor. He tosses one up from about 10 feet, touches a lot of parts of the rim and goes. It wasn't really one they needed to look at, but you look at every buzzer beater now just to confirm it. It, it was clearly out of his hand and quite the finish for them as they continue to play really well on the road. And we always say that if you can handle your business at home and then split on the road, you're in a better spot. But for that Old Dominion team, their ability to play well away from Norfolk is why they're going to be a team that's going to be a tough out once we get to the tournament. Uh, Arkansas State at Georgia Southern. Uh, I don't think any big surprises there. Uh, but are were you a little surprised at Georgia Southern? Uh, I guess with the, with that big of a, a win or margin of victory there. No, I think the deck was stacked against Arkansas State because they came in knowing that they were only going to have seven healthy scholarship guys, and it's been their wrap for a while. They've just undergone so many injuries. Avery Feltz was somebody that got hurt against Texas State for them on Thursday. He tried to play, but he only lasted two minutes of the first half. He just he couldn't go. They had four scholarship guys that were out. They have three more that are out for the year, so Mike Bellotto is really up against it. He's having to play his starters all 30 minutes per game, and they did cut the first half deficit down to six going into halftime, but Georgia Southern started the second half. I think it was 18 to one, the first six and a half minutes. And that was, that was pretty much that. Yeah, it, it was, I, I'm telling you, I think, especially when the Cajuns play late, it is a, a fun day for me being able to watch all the Sunbelt basketball games uh, and then, and then head to the Cajun dome. Uh, but uh Let's move on to uh, this coming week. Uh, Old, Dominion, Old Dominion at James Madison, uh, I think, is going to be a good matchup. Again, Old Dominion on the road. Uh, I guess this is their four-game streak of being on the road now. Uh, well, this is JMU's four-game streak of being at home. So for a team that's trying to stay in the top four and maybe scratch out a division or a conference championship, you've got your last four at home. I know they've got Old Dominion, they've got Louisiana coming up as part of that stretch, but Old Dominion's going to be looking for some revenge. That that's a big rivalry. I believe they played for a rivalry trophy. I'm not sure of the name offhand, but they there's no love lost between those two. They do not like each other. That that goes back a long time and like football head coach Ricky Ronnie for Old Dominion said during media day, hate is good in college athletics. Healthy hate is good so we can develop rivalries and provide meaning to games that maybe other leagues are striving to find. And to be able to have that kind of game that late in the season for something that could be on the line because ODU, like Georgia Southern, that big cluster of teams outside the top four that's trying to get into that double bye, there's, there's some meaning behind this for ODU for sure. I I agree with you. Uh, Kevin Foote, one of the local uh, sports writers down here, always talks about on his radio show that 
that sports hatred is good. And, and just to your point, meaning the, the intense rivalry and everything, not, we're not talking about, uh, you know, throwing beer bottles at, at the opposing fans or, or players and things like that. But I think sports rivalry is a good thing. Sports hatred. Of course. Absolutely. Um, the Cajuns again, uh, where, Oh, ULM. We talked about that a little bit. Uh, whether it's a rivalry game or not, some say it is, some say it isn't. It's always a tough game. Your thoughts there on uh, ULM and how? ULM is right in that cluster where somebody can maybe threaten for a top four seed. But considering how that game went the first time, like we talked about with South Alabama and App State South, just jumped them. Cajuns jumped ULM in Fan Ewing Coliseum. So you know that that's going to put even more on Keith Richard's team to at least try to do the same and make sure that the season series is split. But you've also got a Cajun team that's lost two in a row. I mean, they they hadn't done that all of conference play. They've lost two games, period, before last week. So there's got to be some fire for both those teams going into that one on Thursday. Absolutely. I think the biggest game on the uh, uh, the matchup, though, is going to be uh, Southern Miss at South Alabama. Am I wrong about that? Because – I think South Alabama has won four of their last five or five of their last six, something like that. They're playing in Mobile. And I'm not sure about this, but if the Cajuns would lose and Southern Miss would win, I think they might be able to clinch. Unless Marshall would win as well. But I think that they need the two losses and themselves to win because that would be three with three to go. And Marshall has the tiebreaker on Southern Miss because of that national television win a little bit earlier this year. But Georgia Southern could help that if they beat the Thunder and Herbal. We'll have to see how that one goes. But, yeah, with, with Southern Miss and South, they've already played one. South stuck with them. In fact, I think they had a chance to tie it in the final seconds. I this would... one being in most oh. interesting. Sorry. I was just going to say, I think uh, – I don't I don't think Southern Miss – they would they, they would need a Cajun's loss as well because – I believe that's South, right. Yeah, I believe I believe the uh, the Cajuns own the tiebreaker against Southern Miss, even though they split the uh, series. That is as long as Marshall keeps winning as well. So, go ahead. Sorry about that. No, the fact that this one is in Mobile is certainly beneficial, but also South just played on Monday night. They beat Hartford in a non-conference game. Remember that because you've got the two independents this year with Hartford and Chicago State. Chicago State a couple of weeks back played at Coastal Carolina. But South probably got their tune-up taken care of as they get ready for a first-place team coming in. And that could help a lot of people in this league if they could, including themselves, if they pulled off. But Southern Miss would get that much closer to a regular season championship if they handle their business. Couldn't agree more. It's going to be a, a fun week uh, and fun to watch. Uh, you know, I, I we'll take a look at it next week. I'll, I'll, I'll provide you with kind of a little spreadsheet there and we can look closer at uh, just some, some the thought process on the, uh, on where the teams might end up for the conference tournament. We can talk about it more than uh, I, I think we're, we might be still a little bit too far away of looking to see where who has what with four games to play because there is a lot of bunching up in there. Uh, but it also makes for fun ba basketball at the end of the season. Um, 
Southern Miss coming in and 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 being in the lead right now. We you talked about it uh, very much a surprise, and I think even more so of a surprise because I don't think the the Sun Belt Conference is a bad basketball conference this year. Now, in the past, they've had a dominant team or someone's come out of the tournament that that probably shouldn't have. But this year, they it's gonna it's gonna be fun to watch going down the stretch. Anything we should look for? This time in the season, you usually find out which teams have it. And I know that that's extremely vague because the it is different for all 363 Division I teams. But whoever finds that starting now and can just keep doing it whether it's through the end of the regular season or conference tournament, if you happen to get into the postseason, it's 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 weird to be that vague about it, but you've got every team that does things a different way. Now, for Georgia Southern, if they start banging threes, well, that's, that's something they don't usually do. But for them, they've got to be able to consistently defend, get stops around the rim, and then control pace on offense. For other teams, whatever they do best, continue to do it well and then if you can improve on your weaknesses that's a bonus but the best version of each team is going to be the ones that play the longest if that makes sense absolutely absolutely uh i think it's going to be fun to watch i think south alabama's hitting their stride the cajuns are struggling a little bit depends on where they can get on track marshall's not out of it georgia southern's not out of it. james madison old dominion i mean there's very few teams, and and we know Georgia State has the capability of uh, of coming up big time in the conference tournament. They've done it year in and year out, so it'll be fun to watch. Any last comments, words of wisdom, or anything else you'd like to add before we sign off for the day? Well, this this is our this is our Christmas, I guess, with inching towards postseason basketball and having the start of baseball season on Friday for everybody, even in Statesboro, we've got the softball opener. They played the first of 11 straight home games. Bash in the borough will be at Eagle field, which is just beyond the trees in the left field area. But it's, it's a cool time of the year, especially for Sunbelt baseball, because with Southern Miss and ODU and JMU and, and Marshall coming into the league. I, I think that what was a very good baseball league becomes an outstanding baseball league. And I think in some ways could rival some of the power five leagues. I think that this is going to round out what has been a really competitive athletic season. And by the time we get to May or June, I, I wonder if you could get as many as five teams in. I know we got to take care of basketball first, but I think that this could be really, really special baseball season. Absolutely. I, I am uh I, I don't think I've looked – the way last season ended with four teams from the Sunbelt Conference being in the, the NCAA tournament, I don't think I've looked – I've looked forward to a, a baseball season as much as I have coming into this season. It's going to be uh, – I, I just hope all the teams in the Sunbelt stay healthy and there's that health, healthy rivalry, rivalry there, and I'm looking – I'm looking forward to Montgomery for many reasons as, as we've have in the past. So I'll just leave it. At it's, that. Been, it's been a really good thing for the league to have a tournament there 
everything is so accessible. The fact that you can leave your car for however long you're there. If you're there all week, you put your car at your hotel and then you walk around everything, whether it's the field, the restaurants, the Hank Williams Museum, the house tied to civil rights with the Rosa Parks Museum. It is just a really, really cool setup. And I hope that this is a relationship that goes just beyond the five-year contract because I think it's one of the better things the league has done in a long time. All right. Well, Danny, I appreciate your time. Uh, I know it's Valentine's Day evening. Uh, happy Valentine's Day to you and uh, Darlene. And I hope you guys have a good evening. Um, Craig, in lieu of telling you happy Valentine's Day, I'll just say enjoy your evening because I think that that might be I tell you happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of weird. That's why I threw in Darlene there, you know, just a it. It's a, it's kind of a, for a single guy, it's a made up holiday. So, uh, it, but it does start dating season after this too. So you got baseball season going on, basketball season going on and dating season going on. So, you know, you got to get through that, that three month period, four month period of November, December, January, and February. So that's right. You don't, you don't start new relationships in there. So, but uh, we'll get to talking some baseball here in the next couple weeks. Uh, uh, we'll get a couple games in. And like I said, main focus is basketball right now, but looking forward to talking baseball with you. So, Looking forward to it as well. All right. Have a good evening. You've been listening to We're Talking. We've been talking base, uh, basketball, Sunbelt Conference basketball with Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.